Carrie Strafe wants a microphone. Okay, hopefully this is a like, fast, easy one. Um, what? In number three C, you talked about a blessing for those who trust in the Lord. Yeah. And then point was was uh, or point one was may the Lord multiply you. Um, in this instant, you talked about like physically like bearing more children. Yes. Um, in the Old Testament, it seems like it focuses like God's promise on increasing not only the people of the earth but like increasing Israel. Can that get extended to like? increasing to the Gentiles and, like, increasing the people of God as, like, Christians? Or yes is that, no. like, Yes and no. Okay. No, no, yes and no. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Um, let me explain. That, that actually is not an easy question. It's a great question. And it, it requires some... Here's... As we turn to Colossians chapter 1, um, there are ways in which spiritual blessings mirror physical blessings. The danger is swapping them out one for one. That's the danger. Um, and so, as we've even talked in the previous weeks, Simeon, about Israel's future, and he will rebuild Jerusalem, right? And is there a sense where he's building his church? Absolutely. Can you swap that out? Nope. Um, <coughs> under the old covenant, under the covenant of, of Sinai, uh, if the people of Israel were faithful, if the people of Israel were obedient, they were promised abundant harvest, they were promised fertility and, and children. These are absolutely tied to the Mosaic Covenant. No question about it. And in general, across the boards, children are God's blessing, period. Um, And so there's this creation mandate, be fruitful, multiply. And then God, even as the people of Israel go into captivity in Babylon, he tells them, yeah, don't worry about it. You keep, keep multiplying. Now, that language, that creation language, is used of the gospel in Colossians 1. We'll take a look at that. Um, So in Colossians 1, you get there. You probably have turned there while I was talking, but... I was too busy talking. Um, Colossians chapter 1, we read, um, yeah, that's verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing or multiplying. Now, absolutely, creation mandate imagery is being applied to the gospel. The gospel is bearing fruit and multiplying, okay? No, no question about the fact that Paul is echoing the, uh, the creation blessing, be fruitful and multiply to the woman and the man in the garden, to, to the gospel. Um, and so, absolutely, there's a sense, a very real sense, in which as the gospel goes forth and multiplies, it's like a people begetting people, absolutely. What I want, when I said it's not, though, some people will take that and say, see, all those promises in the most, because the challenge for Christians is, what do you do with your Old Testament? What do you do with your Old Testament? And one answer to that question is, import just about everything you can, spiritualizing when necessary, to the church. So God's promise for blessings and fertility for Israel become God's promises that your evangelism will be fruitful. And that's where I'm saying, no, that doesn't work. Um, As God promised to bless and multiply Israel, so he is blessing and multiplying the gospel as it goes forth, begetting sons and daughters to God. There's a similarity there that Paul's drawing our attention to. And so we can say, just as God promised them and blessed 
the man, the woman in the garden, just as he promised that to Israel. And as I read in Zechariah, just as God promises, I will again gather you and I will again make you overflow to there's no room for you. Just as that, so the gospel is bearing children. And I think that's entirely what Jesus has in mind when he talks about people having, who will leave father, son, mother, um, daughter, will have in this life 10 times in the age to come eternal life. In the church, um, in the church, we become brothers and sisters, fathers and, and sons, and, and people who are not married have children in the church. People who are barren have children in the church. Uh, people who are orphans have parents in the church. In the church, these relationships exist, not in any way replacing the real thing. So absolutely, we could, there's biblical warrant for that type of imagery. I just want to guard against. So that means every time you read those Old Testament passages, we just know that that's talking about the church and the gospel. Like, nope, that's talking about Israel increasing in number. That's what that's talking about. So, so that's, does that answer your question? Very, does that nuance make sense? They're like each other. Don't swap them out for each other is what I'm saying. Yes. Any, any follow-up or questions or thoughts with that? We, we have no such promise um, under the new covenant that we will have those types of blessings. I mean, faithful covenant-keeping Israel had the right to say, we expect, because God keeps his word, lots of kids, lots of crops, lots of cattle, lots of peace. We have no such expectation in this age. Um, our country could go to war. We could have droughts, all those things can happen. There's no promise for the church under the new covenant, such like Israel had under the Mosaic covenant. There's no such promise. Um, and we don't, we aren't treating the Bible legitimately when we try to take all those promises and just presto change those spiritual. And, and I'll go a step further. And I think a good reason why not is when you look at the covenant cursings, and if, if you want to, we won't read it, but the end of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, uh, I think 30, Hold on, let me just check. For those of you who want to check it out later, you can. There's literally like a whole chapter of like, if you're faithful, I will boom, boom, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. And if you're not, bullet point, bullet point. It's 29. Deuteronomy 29 um, lists out all of the blessings and the cursings. Um, really the last, uh, 28 and 29. Yeah, 28 starts with blessings, obedience, cursings, disobedience. Read Deuteronomy 28, 29. And what you'll see crystal clear is all the cursings literally were fulfilled. Literally, there's no spiritualizing of any of the cursings. None of the cursings are, this disease is really just talking about a spiritual malaise. No, it's disease. This being taken off the land is talking about, no, it's, it's they're taken off the land. And when it talks about them eating their children out of starvation, that happened, read Kings. And so if the cursings are all literally fulfilled, I think it's very difficult to justify from Deuteronomy anything other than a literal fulfillment of their keeping of the covenant. Um, so I would expect in our, the ch- our church's understanding is there's a future time where God will uh, convert Israel. Zechariah 12.10 speaks of that. And a faithful future Israel will keep the covenant and a future, faithful future Israel will receive the literal covenant blessings. Even as the gospel is bearing fruit in all the world, much like the creation mandate. So it's, it's both and, it's not either or. Thank you. Any further questions about that or anything else? Wanda Cowan in the back. Well, I was kind of thinking like Carrie because when I've been in Bible studies with new believers and you read this, a new believer, I 
they don't know that he's talking about Israel. They think, oh, I'm going to be blessed. Look at all the blessings. And so I always feel bad saying, yeah, but. <laughs> so I don't know why. Why doesn't it say we're talking about Israel? I mean. Well, in Psalm 115 it does, right? Bless, oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. Okay, oh, that's Israel. true. There I mean, you go. In Psalm 115, we're clearly. Okay. Like okay. I said, those who fear the Lord may begin to have some reference, but even then is people, the God-fearers in the book of Acts are people who participate in the worship of Israel. Like mm-hmm. the Ethiopian eunuch. How did this guy end up with a scroll of Isaiah? Because he's a God-fearer. Where's he coming from? He's just leaving Jerusalem or kept the feast. So there are Gentiles who've yoked themselves, who've become proselytes is the technical term. They've become proselytes to Judaism. They're known as the God-fearers. Okay. But to that degree, they're part of Israel. I mean, so Ruth... Mm-hmm. Now, there's a couple generations for their kids can come near, but Ruth and, and Rahab are examples of Gentiles being grafted in even before. So these God-fearers are not people separate from Israel. They're participating in Israel's worship. So even if, and I can't be certain, but even if that reference to you who fear God is beginning to broaden out to the Ruths and the Rahabs, they're still only talking about those who are engaged in Israel's worship of God. So this is not just for the Philistines or for the Canaanites or for whoever. But, but yeah. No, and it's a mistake to think that the blessings of the new covenant are less. In fact, let's preview of where we're going. Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, I believe. Um, Paul will insist that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Not some, but every. Um, <coughs> And this, this even ties back to your, your question, because the, the, the tempt here's, okay, let me gather my thoughts, this, and this may take a minute, because um, they're pretty scattered. We learn under the new covenant that we have more blessings, more promises, greater realities, but that they are largely immaterial. The temptation, therefore, is to think material blessings, especially material blessings of the old covenant, are inferior or somehow less holy or good. And the temptation then is to become slowly embarrassed about the physical blessings and to spiritualize them all. Now that we know that we have every blessing in spiritual places, you know, hearing prayers for grain and harvest seems a little kind of unspiritual, you know, so maybe that was always talking about righteousness and a harvest of peace. You know, wouldn't that be great? Like, no, you read the Old Testament, it's talking about harvest, man. It's, it's absolutely talking about a harvest. Um, so in Ephesians, Paul will insist uh, in verse 3. By the way, just a heads up. Next week, we're going to do verses 1 and 2 in an overview of Ephesians. Currently, verse 3 through 14 is one sentence in Greek. I've currently slated three weeks to get through it. We'll see. It is a crazy long sentence. And if you read through it, I encourage you, you want to get ahead, read, just read those first 14 verses you will see Paul engage every member of the Trinity in your salvation. It's a remarkable passage. We are exclusively passive in this passage. Everything is done to us, for us, and on our behalf. But it begins with, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So, in the one hand, the new believer who's reading about prosperity and lots of babies and peace and all of that, and they learn, well, actually, there is no 
promise for that for the church in this age may be tempted to think, oh, they had more blessings. No, we're insisting there's, there's more blessings for us, like the indwelling Holy Spirit, like the full revelation of God's word, um, things like that. But we have a greater blessing, even though it's, it's a less visible one. So Paul talks about us walking by faith and not by sight. Um, so that's, that's the other thing. I wouldn't want to think, oh, no, they had better stuff. We have better stuff. Um, but we don't have those types of physical promises that they, that they had. And their promises weren't individual. They're corporate. And in, an individual Israelite who is faithful could be deported to Babylon, even though they were faithful. Only a corporately faithful Israel could be confident they wouldn't be taken off the land, according to the Mosaic Covenant. So it's not an individual basis at all. Um, so that when Israel's worshiping Baal and Elijah says, I alone am left, God says, no, I've, I've kept 300? Is it 300 men, prophets who've not bowed the knee to Baal? 7,000? You might be right. Okay, I'm ignorant here. So if you want to look that up for me, how many thousand or hundred prophets didn't bow the knee to Baal in Elijah's day? Five, you get five points and a cup of coffee. If you can tell me. Okay. Well, I liked how you did reference Psalm 23, that that blessing might take you to the valley of shadow of death. But I just was like, there's so many references to blessing that I thought, gosh, a new Christian is going to think, wait a minute, it is coming my way. Like, you know, the gospel, the, what's that called? Prosperity gospel. Right, right, right. But, so. see, but even in Psalm 115, there's an implicit recognition. Those blessings aren't here now for two reasons. Yeah. They're all put future. And mm-hmm. whatever's going on, it's giving the pagans grounds to say, hey, where's your God? That doesn't happen during the height of Solomon's splendor. Mm-hmm. When the Queen of Sheba is coming to marvel, the nations aren't being like, oh, yeah, the, where's the God of the Israelites? You say that when the Israelites have suffered defeat. You say that when Israel is in captivity in Babylon. You say that mm-hmm. when some disaster has happened. So even implicit in Psalm 115, with all of its promises of blessings, is apparently you can still be in a situation where the pagan nations are going, ha, where's your God? Mm-hmm. That's the context. So that, that's another thing going through the Psalms that I've tried to highlight is even with the Old Covenant's emphasis, greater emphasis on material security and material blessing, there's still this very real reality that faithful Israelites can go through hard times. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, those get back to corporate. A lot of those promises are corporate. So Joe Israelite might be a perfectly faithful, God-fearing Hebrew suffering all sorts of cursings and difficulty because Israel is a corporate nation is being unfaithful. Um, and I think you've done a good job of that. Oh, I just thank was thinking you. about the yeah. thank you. people that don't sit under your teaching. Oh, dear. Don't get all that. <laughs> 7,000. Linda, you, okay, and, well, both of you. You get, you get to share a cup of coffee and five points. Look at that. Um, Linda will take the points, you get the coffee. There you go. I like it. Okay. Um, No, great, great question. Great question.